We'll say a quick prayer before we start reading from John 18. It's in your blue Bibles, uh, uh, 1086. But let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are within this building and within our hearts. Can you open our hearts and our minds so that we can be transformed by your word? Amen. Amen. So John 18, verses 29. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death He was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, Pilate said. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, The reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it's your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him, give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in his face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to him, them, Here is your man, is the man. As soon as the chief priest and the officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? 
Pilate said. Do you, don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the stone pavement, pavement which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, Carly, and good morning, everyone. Please keep your Bible open at John chapter 18 and 19. And before we get into that, let us bow our heads and pray. Lord, your word is indeed a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We praise you for it, that your word brings your truth into our lives. And we earnestly pray that by your spirit you will light up our hearts this morning so that we may clearly understand your word and be strengthened in our faith because of it. For Jesus' sake, amen. amen. Well, I don't know whether you spend much time watching the television but uh, it's been impossible, really, not to miss the impossible to miss rather the fact that the frequency in our programmers' efforts, the frequency of the who done it, and we just don't seem to be able to get enough of Morse, Lewis, and Hercule Poirot, and in fact, for the sophisticated, Maigret. I had been going to say that Maygrave is my favourite um, uh, detective, but anyway, there we are. You know the story, the stories, the typical scene. Uh, it's familiar enough. A murder takes place. One of the, uh, these uh, various um, people uh, is, is drafted in to find out who done it. Who is responsible for the death of the victim? Invariably, they manage to solve that problem by 10 p.m. <laughs> well, today, as we look at uh, John 18 and 19, we're going to be asking the question, who was responsible for the death of Jesus? Not who was responsible for some victim in a whodunit, but who was responsible for the death of Jesus? For example, was it Pilate, the Roman governor, who finds this dispute an unwelcome responsibility 
at Passover time? Was it perhaps the soldiers who mistreated Jesus so viciously? Or was it the, um, the chief priests, you know, Caiaphas and co., who kept up a barrage of screaming for Jesus' death? Now, there's no doubt that the author wants to draw our attention to Pilate and, indeed, also to the Jews. The number of references that we find in, these, in this chapter and the other one with it uh, to this is amazing. In fact, I counted 17 references to Pilate in these two sections, and uh, there are about a dozen to the Jews as well. Uh, clearly then, uh, uh, John, who is writing this gospel, sees uh, Pilate and also the Jews as the central players the reason for the reason that they are totally opposed to Jesus. Uh, and in particular, in Pilate, the reason is not a good one at all. As the drama unfolds, Pilate appears weaker and weaker. So my first heading, I think I've got three headings, but I haven't been able to get them into precisely the right order. So they're not related to particular passages. Well, they are related to passages in the scripture, but not perhaps quite as tightly as I would normally like to do. But this section comes in two halves, the end of uh, chapter 18 and then the first 16 verses of chapter 19. So what about Pilate's weakness in chapter 18? Let me just uh, draw our attention again to 29. 29 says, so Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourself and judge him by your own law. So uh, Pilate, Pilate's weakness, which is going to continue throughout the trial, uh, Pilate's weakness is seen there in his inability to do what is right. He basically, here, uh, he asks the Jews what charges they're bringing, but he finds it difficult to, well, but uh, so then he says, uh, in response to them, they say, if he were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over. That's not a very good response. It's not a clear response at all to uh, what Pilate has asked them, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Mm -hmm. So Pilate says to them, almost in a sense of giving as good as he was getting, he says to them, take him yourself and judge him by your own law. If that's what you think, go and, go and do that. You go and judge him by your own law. But they've got an objection to that. We have no right to execute anyone, they objected. And uh, basically what was happening here um, was that uh, Pilate's suggestion that they go and uh, they, they execute, they, they 
judge him themselves, Pilate's suggestion exposes, unmasks the aims of the Jews, that Jesus must die. And what is more, he must die a criminal death. So verse 32 says this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. So that um, Jesus will die and the death he will die uh, will be the death of a criminal. And in their minds, that means that that would be crucifixion. Pilate questions Jesus then in the palace. He, takes, he goes in back inside the palace. Jesus had been in there before. He went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus wants Pilate to understand seriously the implications of what he's actually saying. So Jesus says to Pilate, is that your own idea or did others talk to you about me? Um, he, he, he wants to uh, have that looked at. Um, well, did someone else tell you about me? Uh, um, so Jesus then uh, speaks to Pilate. Pilate, sorry, Pilate responds to what Jesus had said. Your own people and the chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? And Jesus then tells Pilate that his kingdom is not a worldly power. It's not a parallel to other powers around the place. Uh, Jesus' power is... Jesus' power... What have you done? Jesus' power is uh, demonstrating the fact that his, his servants would fight if it was a worldly power. If he had worldly power, my servants would fight, he says, verse 36, to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my, my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Oh, well, he's understood something there, hasn't he? He's begun to understand something. Yes, Jesus says, you say I'm a king, uh, and then he explains that it was a different type of king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king, verse 37. Uh, in fact, the reason I was born and came into this world was to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Yes, he's a king, but it's different from everyone else's idea of king. In fact, his proclamation of his word, his being there among them, causes people to declare themselves as to where they actually stand on these matters themselves. Uh, and it's just the same today, that the proclamation of Jesus, talking to people about Jesus, has the effect of exposing where people stand. They may look as though they're they're, they're, as it were, anywhere. But if, as soon as you can share Jesus with them, 
sharing Jesus and uh, proclaiming the gospel leads to people showing where they stand. And Jesus says, therefore, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Then Pilate makes his famous reply. What is truth? retorted Pilate. And basically, it's a pretty coldly cynical sort of response. Uh, in effect, he's saying there's no such thing as the truth. The truth is whatever we decide we want it to be. We'll make it ourselves, whether it's about God or whether it is about how we should behave. We'll just make the truth into what we want the truth to be. Um, then there follows, uh, within, he goes out to the Jews, Jesus uh, and uh, Pilate, Pilate went out again and said to the Jews gathered there, I find no basis for a charge against him. He makes it absolutely clear that as far as he's concerned, there is no basis for a charge against him. Uh, no charge will stand. Um, so we then come to the Jews, and they are obsessive in their determination to get rid of Jesus. So we might give this the heading, the, the obsession of the, Jew, of the Jews. Pilate brings Jesus out to them, and uh, he, yes, he brings Jesus out to, to them, uh, and he, he, dear friends, I do apologize for this. I'm so sorry. You're being very patient. I, I'm going to persevere, um, but I'm so sorry that it's chaotic. Had a tough time. Uh, so we notice just right at the beginning, which uh, is danger of having missed out. Verse twenty-eight. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the place to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. This uh, little paragraph is. is uh, all about their scruples. Uh, we can't go in there because we've got something else that we want to do, which means that we must not get in, go into the dwelling places of the Gentiles. They had a little rule which said the dwelling places of the Gentiles are unclean. And Pilate gives in to their scruples. He goes out and talks to them so they don't have to come into the... Uh, the, the uh, palace, the governor's palace, they don't have to come in there, um, and he gives in to those scruples. But the fact is that they have scruples about entering a palace or going into a house, a dwelling place of the Gentiles. Uh, but the fact is they've got no scruples at all, apparently, about arranging the judicial murder of the Son of God. 
and the obsession of the Jews be, becomes a crescendo as Pilate brings him out to them. Uh, this is the beginning of chapter 19. He has already said to the Jews about uh, the fact that I find no basis for a charge against him, verse 38. And he hopes he can get the charge away from his having to sort it out by offering them uh, the king of the Jews, the, the one uh, prisoner who must be released. Uh, would you like me to release to you the king of the Jews? No, they shouted back. Not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. He was a terrorist. He was a murderer. And yet they chose the murderer rather than the Son of God. So then, as Pilate, uh, then the next thing that Pilate does is that he uh, takes Jesus and has him flogged. This was a terrible punishment. I think it's difficult for us perhaps to quite imagine it. It was an appalling punishment. Uh, it involved being whipped with, uh, a, um, with, a, with cords, which had in this whip, sort of uh, fixed in the whip, it had pieces of metal, uh, it had pieces of bone. Many men died in the process of going through these sufferings. And we should notice that there is, of course, a strong uh, theme running through this passage about, about the sufferings of Jesus and the uh, difficult and the terrible punishment that he went through when he had nothing uh, meriting any punishment of any kind. On the contrary, uh, unless, of course, that is guilty of being the Son of God and the Messiah. Uh, soldiers, anyway, they did what soldiers do. Uh, and amongst these things, they twisted together a crown of thorns and they clothed him in a purple robe and went up again and again and said, Hail, King of the Jews, and were thoroughly vicious to Jesus. We may wonder, well, why did Jesus have to go through all this? Why did he have to go through this? I mean, uh, he was going to have to suffer and die. He was going to have nails through his hands and feet and a spear, spear through his side. Why, why should he have to suffer this uh, as well? And I don't think I know that uh, answer, how to answer that question exactly. But um, the truth is, that enduring this suffering uh, reminded them of the uh, prophecy in Isaiah, where uh, God's son, God's servant, I'm sorry, uh, um, <clears throat> God's servant takes the punishment in place of his people. Uh, Pilate again emphasizes Jesus innocence. So verse 38, he says, I find no basis for a charge against him. Verse uh, 4 of chapter 19, uh, I've brought 
him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. Uh, And again, verse 6, you take him and crucify him. As for me, says Pilate, I find no basis for a charge against him. So Pilate is bearing witness to uh, the innocence of Jesus as far as the political side of things is concerned. Uh, He has made it quite clear that uh, Jesus has not provided any basis for any sort of charge. But the Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. See, uh, here uh, the Jews have a particularly effective missile, more effective than all this shouting of crucify, crucify, which they shouted at every available opportunity. Verse 6 there, uh, they shout for the crucifixion of Jesus. But the Jews do have one effective, mis- one effective missile which they launch at this point. Verse 7, the Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die. Uh, and um, Pilate is seriously worried at this point. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. Uh, and he realized that this was something far, far bigger than him. Uh, he is seriously worried. He tries again, but Jesus said nothing, verse 10. In fact, Jesus says to him, after that, do, do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize that I have power either to free you or crucify you? He claims he has this power, but Jesus corrects this. Pilate only has power that has been delegated to him. Caiaphas and company, they had initiated this situation and they had sinned against the light. You, Pilate, have had no light, have not had light in the sense that the Jews did. They had light and they rejected it. Even from way back in the Old Testament, they often turned to false gods. And here in uh, verse 11, it says, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Greater sin because they had known what they were doing. And uh, whereas Pilate is just totally ignorant, really. So, uh, Passover is near. Verse 14, the reference to that, it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. The Passover festival is about to start. Pilate needs to get this matter finished. He tries to set Jesus free. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. So Jesus, as he stands there, he face has to face and he has to go through all this uh, screaming at him. 
and uh, the, the, the uh, viciousness of the Jews here, they, uh, they scream, verse 15, for Jesus' death. Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate asks the question, shall I crucify your king? This, uh, to which they say, we have no king but Caesar. This is the ultimate apostasy, isn't it? The ultimate turning away uh, of um, the ultimate rejection of God uh, and rejection of God's Son. We have no king but Caesar. See, when they say, Pilate says, well, shall I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, we read that Pilate handed him over to be crucified. So then, who was responsible for the death of Jesus? Well, it was both, wasn't it? It was both Pilate and uh, it was the Jews. Uh, and both of them equally were responsible. Uh, and in that way, uh, uh, <clears throat> and it's particularly noticeable in uh, Acts 2, that when Peter speaks to the Jews on the day of Pentecost, you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. So you, you Jews, as he's talking to there on that day, uh, with the help of wicked men, you Jews, and uh, by means of wicked men, Pilate, Pilate who uh, was the only one who could carry out the death penalty, uh, you put him, Jesus, to death by nailing him to the cross. Both the Jews and Pilate and the soldiers all are responsible. But we shouldn't stop there, should we? I mean, what about us? There, there's a song which goes, it, it's, uh, it's rather thee-thou language, but it's a powerful song. I'm not going to attempt to sing it. Um, the second verse goes, Who was the guilty? Who brought this upon thee? Alas, my treason, Jesus, hath undone thee. T'was I, Lord Jesus, I it was denied thee, I crucified thee. Let's bow our heads to pray. Lord Jesus, though we were not there, we recognize our responsibility in the death of you, you're in your death. We confess that and we uh, ask afresh your forgiveness. We thank you that uh, this account of what was happening over that time 
shows very clearly the guilt of Pilate and the Jews in the crucifixion of Jesus. But we ourselves are guilty too. We need that forgiveness, Lord. Your death is the only way our sins can be forgiven. Please keep us trusting you for this and living for the glory of your name. Amen.